I've been very intrigued and appreciating doing some personal study and sharing a little bit of the overflow with you of um, the passion of the gospelers, recognizing that Matthew and Mark and Luke and John weren't just deciding to write down stuff they remembered, but they were actually anointed to right out of their own personalities and experiences. Stuff about Jesus that was uniquely amazing to their unique journey. And what that provides for us is a 4.0 surround sound about Jesus. And what we need to be reminded of, of course, is not only are these writers fully passionate about expressing who Jesus is to them, making a harmonious experience of Jesus in the center, but that God is passionate to share those realities about Jesus as well. In fact, he used them with their passion to express this portrait of Jesus. But he uses them because he is so fully passionate about disclosing Jesus to us. So we have Matthew emphasizing he is the fulfillment of every Old Testament expectation from Adam to Malachi. We have Mark saying he's the son of man, not just because he's human and not because he's the Daniel 7 son of man coming in the glory before the ancient of days, but he's the son of man in Isaiah 53 who has come to serve even to the point of suffering and dying so you could be righteousified forever. And we have Luke, the doctor, saying, that's what I'm going to talk about today, saying, I love God with my mind. I'm upper class, yeah. I have the best Greek in all the New Testament. I'm a world traveler, so much so I don't call the Sea of Galilee a sea. I just call it a lake. Everybody else calls it a sea because I've, I've seen a real sea, Mediterranean. And we see Luke the doctor saying, I love Jesus with my mind, but I love him just as much fully from the heart. And we don't have to do this thing where we have to say, God wants us to sacrifice our mind and just go with our heart. Or God wants us to just love him with our mind and don't worry about your heart. But the two work in tandem in a very powerful synergism to help us fully love God with every ounce of our personal being, even to the point where you feel like you love God with every cell of your body. Luke. And John saying, I know I'm an apostle, but I don't care about any of that. I'm just smitten by his love. I'm the one he loves. We'll get to that sometime soon. Today, Jesus pours out his spirit Luke saying, I am a full-on Pentecostal. I'm a Holy Ghost guy. I'm a doctor, but I'm definitely not a down-and-outer. I'm an up-and-outer, and they need to be good saved too. And I believe in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm going to emphasize as being my part of the gospel of Jesus. So all these four voices... Four corners with Jesus in the middle. 
declaring the reality of who Jesus is in a way that makes him irresistibly attractive to those that are open to the Spirit moving in our hearts to have the Spirit disclose his beauty to us. We turn down just a little bit the others and turn up Luke, recognizing that it works best to hear the whole sound, but it's hard to preach that way. (laughs) So we're going to learn something about Luke's message today. Theme of Luke, one of the, if not the, I think I personally see it as the singular main theme is Jesus is the one who pours out the Spirit. Luke, Jesus fulfills expectation. Mark, Jesus serves. Luke, Jesus pours out the Spirit. Hallelujah. Here's some examples in Luke. Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And her baby leaped in her womb, recognizing that Mary, also with child, had the Messiah in her womb. Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband, the priest, was filled with the Spirit. Simeon, ministering in the temple to Mary and Joseph at Jesus' dedication. The Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Jesus at his baptism. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit after his desert experience. Jesus declares out of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The power of the Lord was present to heal. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that humbly ask for him. Behold, I send the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be my witnesses. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're still being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the theme. We've got a couple talking points. I want to have our thinking wrap around a little bit this morning. Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit, and we are very deeply satisfied by the experience. Luke 3. I'm going to just took a passage from Luke 3 and the first part of Luke 4 to give an expression of Luke's overall heart in his gospeling message. When all the people were baptized, including Jesus, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized by John the Baptist. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. Aren't you glad that when the Spirit comes, heaven is opened? Aren't you glad that because of the blood of Jesus, you get to walk in an open heaven? Last Sunday night was the Day of Atonement in the Jewish calendar. The priest laid hands on the goat and sacrificed it, the blood sacrificed, and then some bulls as well. The priest laid hands on another goat, scapegoat, 
sent it out, carrying the sins of the people away, symbolically. The priest went into the holiest of holies that day with a rope tied around his foot in case he died in there. No one could go get him. They had to pull him out. No one could go in the presence of God except the priest, high priest, once a year. Heaven was open to them once a year, one day. But now we have an open heaven. The curtain in the temple to the holiest of holies was rent from the top to the bottom when Jesus declared it is finished. And in childlike faith, we constantly live in the presence of an open heaven. And the Holy Spirit from that open heaven is continually poured out on us, not in a one-time baptism or one-time regeneration experience, but in a constant river and a constant artesian well out of our own spirits from within us. The only thing that inhibits us from experiencing a deep, deep satisfaction of a continual flow of the presence of God in our inner world is our lack of childlike faith. It's the only thing that hinders us. The only thing required is childlike faith to continually receive the love of a dad, the love of a savior who cares about us so much that he, he wants to continually gift us with intimacy. You want to know how much I love you? This is how much. And he stretched out his hands and he died. But then he rose again and said, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I am offering you intimacy with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in infinite dimension, wave after wave after wave after wave of peace in your inner world. Wave after wave of heaven's joy resonating in your inner personhood. And wave after wave of dance in your inner world. So no matter what's happening, cir- happening in your life circumstantially, you are living out of a different world, a different reality. The heaven realm is your highest and greatest reality. And the only thing that hinders that is our refusal to embrace it in the moment with childlike faith. It's the only thing that hinders us. The invitation from Jesus is to say, would you like to, would you like to please me? Would you like to bring pleasure to my heart? Would you like to make my heart leap with happiness? Here's what you do. Every single time you respond to that wisp of a voice that says, it's true. You really are accepted in the beloved. The spirit testifying with your spirit that you really are a son, a daughter of God. And you, you dare to say, I am going to be one of those that believe that. It seems too good to be true, but because of the blood of Christ, I stand in, in the reality that it's mine. And I will live that way the best I can my whole life. A life of continually receiving and believing 
the wonder and beauty, the sheer fulfillment of what it means that the saints enjoy in heaven forever the bliss, the utter peace, the joy, the dance, the love of God. I dare to believe I can walk in it now. I can bask in it now. I can enjoy it now. It is my right to move from a concept of Christianity that is one of of just serving and hoping you're doing good enough that God won't be mad at you on the day of judgment to living in a way of rest and peace and bliss and contentment. Since Satan screwed up Adam and Eve in in the Garden of Eden... And they turn the authority of the dominion of the world over to the enemy. There's, he's wreaked havoc on the human race. Anger, lust, war, disappointment, loneliness, desperation, despair, demonic, suicidal impetus. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, because of the blood, my blood and because of the outpouring of my spirit, the walk in the garden that Adam and Eve enjoyed in the early days of Eden, the Garden of Eden, I restore to you now in infinite dimensions and measure. The quiet desperation that marks the human race in this hour, in this day, in this season, is no longer, no longer marks you. You've been free and delivered from it. Cash the check. It's been written. Brenda rescues cats in our neighborhood. My ministry is a trip over him when I walk out the front door. We buy expensive cat food for the neighborhood cat. We buy a heating pad and a hotel for our, on our back porch for the neighborhood cat. My job is to go out and do important God stuff out the front door. And almost every time, if I don't trip over the cat, I have to chase it around the house to get it out again because it's come in to see Brenda. I'm not bitter. But one thing the cat hasn't discovered yet is the hotel on the back porch. (laughs) And our hope, and I sincerely hope that it discovers the hotel on the back porch because then it won't be on the front porch. Winter cold is coming, but the cat has to take advantage of what has been gifted it. I mean, what neighborhood cat gets a $100 hotel (laughs) from PetSmart? 
Maybe I am a little bitter. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. But he's so far not advantaging himself of the opportunity. Friends, God has given us way more than a $100 hotel. I'm saying there's a lot of heartwarming that can be done for you in the winter of your life. Hallelujah, I got a good sermon illustration out of that cat. (laughs) Here's the verse, here's the anchor verse. Luke 3, verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. The spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. The spirit comes often, just like quietly like a dove down on us. And a voice from heaven which said to Jesus, and because of your connection with Jesus to you, you are my beloved son and daughter. With you I am well pleased. He's not referring to... I mean, with Jesus, he's saying, absolutely, you and your essence rock my world. He's not saying, with regard to us, that our behavior is always really excites him. You, know, you and I know it doesn't always. We're work in progress. But I want to tell you this. Just like Jesus, where God says, You're my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. He's speaking to essence. And Jesus is looking to you in your essence, in your deepest personhood, in the areas of your life where you are the only one who knows your fears, your your troubles, your your self-loathing for some of us. You in your essence. God wants us to shift to the truth that will set us free You are my beloved son and daughter. With you, in your essence, in your personhood, I am so, so pleased. I am so happy with you and who you are as a blood-bought saint. So satisfying, isn't it? There will be times... When you're tempted to pull away and and not believe what God has said about you. But I want to make an appeal pastorally with all of you. that That you do your very best to forgive yourself for those times. And when you have a a glimpse through a song we sing, through a reading of the word, through a segment of a preaching or a teaching from wherever you would hear it. When something seems too good but to be true, but you hope it is, be among those that have the courage to believe it. Be among those, be among those that have the courage to believe it, will you? I like it that it happened at a baptism. I love baptism. I got, you, I've mentioned to you before that I, had an, I got born again at my baptism. I, got, I experienced God for the first time. I got, my spirit was reborn at my baptism in Salmon Creek, Washington, near Hawkinson, Washington, when I was 16 years old. I came out of the water, and Jesus was there. It's so beautiful. 
And uh, the Spirit of God came. And I'm thinking, you know, Peter, he, he declared that reality on the, in Acts chapter 2 that repent and be baptized. Every one of you, you too will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's one of the access points for, bapti- for the Holy Spirit coming on us. We've seen hundreds of people already be, well, maybe not hundreds, just to be sure, I'll say dozens of people over the years, maybe hundreds, <laughs> over the years being baptized at New Song Church, through New Song Church. But I don't think we've ever had a time where someone came out of the water and they weren't hit hard by, by the dove. Beautiful dove. I uh, got a call this week from a guy named David Boyer, a firefighter, wildfire fire, wildfire firefighter. <laughs> and... Uh, I didn't. I couldn't work it with my schedule to meet with him, but he wanted to take me out to lunch. I wasn't able to do it to um, thank me for baptizing him. I had met him on the street this summer, and he was telling me about his work with fires. And he'd he's, he'd been a Christian for a couple of years, but he said, "You know, I, I've always just wished I could be baptized." And I said, "We've got we've got a little swimming pool in our backyard. You want to go over there right now?" He said, "No kidding." So we went over and. And uh, he, we had my uh, grandson, Aiden, take a, a video of it. And he took it and showed it to all of his friends. And, and uh, he, he, this has been a month ago, and he's still just radiant with joy about the, his experience of the Spirit in, in, the, in the baptism that he, that he had. It's beautiful. I, I was sharing the gospel on the street yesterday. This, this Christian guy says, I'm so glad you're out here talking to people about Jesus because I'm a, I'm a newly saved uh, Christian and I was just baptized last Sunday, he said. And he was just radiant. And I said, you know what? This business of the baptism and the, Holy, uh, and the beauty of the Holy Spirit, you know, those of you that saw the movie The Jesus Revolution, saw all the people being baptized and maybe you were awakened about the beauty of your baptism. I love it that um, Greg Laurie, uh, one of the preachers in that uh, uh, portrayed in that movie, one of the early Jesus people with Calvary Chapel and has been pastoring at Calvary, Calvary Chapel Church all these years and at, uh, on the beach, um, near the beach in Southern California. He had a Jesus Revolution baptism that he advertised. And you know that uh, um, pretty close to 5,000 people, might have been over 5,000 people showed up that weekend to be baptized. Here's a photo of it. Isn't that beautiful? I love stuff like this. I just it just it just gets my man my my arms just tingle with joy. <laughs> this is it's just beautiful. And you know my friend my friend Dave. I thought you know what? There's got to be a way. You know our whole philosophy. God keeps uh, restoring us with is. Uh, refreshing us with is the concept we've always got to be a people who have the courage and the uh and the creativity to declare that the church has left the building and i thought to myself jesus i can't baptize people easily in this swimming pool in the winter there's got to be a way to have some kind of mobile baptism. So I Googled the question, Googled, 
has a lot of good answers. That, not very good theological answers sometimes. But, and I, I came across a ministry in Mississippi that has mobile baptisms. And I thought to myself, I'm going to call this guy. And I called him up. And uh, as I expected, he didn't pick up. But then he called me back within a few minutes. And it was fun to talk with him with his Mississippi accent. And he was so excited. He says, I've, I've baptized over 500 people in recent weeks with my mobile baptism truck. And I said, I want, Jesus, I want one of those for Christmas. <laughs> Here's a picture of it. Do we have a picture of that? We don't? I thought that was so cool. We do. There's a mobile baptism truck with... Uh, Plated glass, you know, rock, rock-proof glass. People can heat it. It's a, there's a heating system in there. And yeah. So I thought to myself, Jesus, I want one of those for Christmas. Now, I'm not, I'm not baiting anybody to try to buy one of those for me. I'm truly not. I just wanted to share something that was kind of cool, but exciting. And if God's... Uh, leading us that direction, I think he might be. I think it might be. You know, I'm really, really even willing to try stuff that might not work. Brenda knows I've tried lots of stuff that doesn't work in ministry. (laughs) But boy, wouldn't that be fun to baptize about 500 people? uh, We'll talk about that maybe some other time. My second talking point. Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit, and we are called to new beginnings in, uh, in, in his ministry. Verse uh, 23 of Luke 3. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. The list continues about 80 different, different people. Fathers, all the way back to Adam. I wonder, without elaborating on it, because my time is gone, if I can just state four observations about Jesus' new beginnings, his new beginning, and as it is a prototype of our new beginning. First of all, there's never a time when ministry in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, gets old, gets, of course, gets redundant, gets boring. If that's happening for you, you're missing the Holy Spirit. Because there's a new beginning every day with God that is full-on, exciting, adventurous, electrifying for what God has called you to do creatively, what God's called me to do creatively. Four observations. One, Jesus' new beginning was well-planned by God. From Adam all the way through the generations to Jesus. Jesus that coming, the Father was excited, absolutely thrilled. And he's thrilled about your ministry too. He's been looking forward to your ministry in your life every day that he has for you to serve him. He's been looking forward to it, his heart filled with excitement for billions of years. Secondly, Jesus' new beginning was with the Spirit, in the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit. 
three ways of amplifying the Spirit's blessing on Jesus' new beginning as he started his ministry. Luke 4.1, Jesus being filled with the Spirit. Luke 4.14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Luke 4.16, quoting Isaiah, he has anointed me with the Spirit. He anointed me by the Spirit to preach, the, to, preach to heal, to proclaim to heal, set liberty, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And we enter into that ministry with him in the excitement of the moment, the freshness of the moment. I want to speak to everybody over 60 years old for a moment and say, don't you dare be retired from Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. When you retire from your work, for money, making money, that's just a step to a new beginning for you. And a new beginning that is fresh and alive and beautiful every day till you step into glory or Jesus comes back. Jesus' new beginning was guided by the Spirit, guided into the desert, guided to Nazareth. I'm not going to win on this, and there's this, this, is, uh, this is such important stuff. I'm going to stop here and pick up uh, with it some other time. I'm not sure how or when, but there's some really good stuff here. I don't want to feel rushed. Let's stand up. I'd like the team from the Gold Beach to come back up here, everybody that's still here. <laughs> some of you were here last night, so you were... Can, can we, Tina, can we have someone play some kind of music here? I don't think Pat's here today. Oh, Pat is here. Pat, yeah. Pat, will you play keyboard for us? We're going to do a, a just as, as ministry is being played in music. Here's what I want to happen. I want our, our pastoral care altar team to come up too right now. And I want, I want you guys to move over to the middle here like this. And I want you to set up a, a fire tunnel. Don't feel obligated to go through the fire tunnel. But if you need a healing, set up a fire tunnel. Um, Chris, Chris, use your leadership skill to set up, a, get people. And what I want you to do, if you need a healing, receive your healing as it comes through. If you need a fresh baptism of the Spirit, let that happen as you come through. If you need to get good saved, you know you're not connected to Jesus yet. Let this be your day where you receive His grace and you get born again. Just call on Him to save you as you're going through. And by the time you get through the tunnel, you're going to get good. You'll be good saved. I guarantee that. You call on Him. Okay? We're going to be officially dismissed and there's going to be people going out and getting the burgers and fries and paying your 10 bucks and going into debt on your credit card to get your lunch. and That's all good. But this is a moment for many of us today. This is a, this is a God moment to get a refreshment. It's impartation from these guys that are so filled with God from their ministry. Marty, you'd be up here too. You came back from Nicaragua and I had meant to ask to be name you first coming up here, but here you are. 
The onus is on the people going through to receive power in childlike faith. The, the onus is not on these to impart, but to you for you to receive. And reminder, this is not a fire parking lot. God bless you. We love you. Jesus loves you. Have a good week. Red one, Brother Ryan. Sister V needs a mic. In the name of Jesus.